Welcome back. Welcome. Join over 200 members now in our mini leagues for both free and paid for Euro Fantasy. Plus, enter our Discord community for live banter, advice and opinions from across the world and head to www.esportslive.com.au for weekly articles and more information and head to at esportslive now for all of our socials. Fantasy managers, hello and welcome back to the final preview show before the Euro 2020 competition starts. We're just one day away now as of the time that we are recording this and we all cannot wait. We've got three of the usuals with me tonight to dissect it and we cannot wait. So we'll start with you, Matt. How are you feeling? Oh, absolutely buzzing, Elliot. Can't wait. One more sleep. Well, technically two more sleeps for us, actually, until uh, we get to, wa- get to watch the first game. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. It's going to be a cracker. Italy, Turkey to open up. So, yeah, it's going to be good. Should be awesome, mate. And I'm loving the uh, the kit that you've got on there. You've gone Retro England. So uh, where'd you pull that from? Yeah, Retro England. This one's off uh, kit bag as well. Actually, I've had it since the uh, the last World Cup with uh, with Gazcoin on the back. So, yeah, got it out now. Ready for uh, Ready for Sunday night. Oh, mate, you should have dyed your hair white as well, gone the full way like <laughs> Phil Foden. But the other man on the podcast who's also got his England top on like an excited little boy is Jack from Esports Live. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, buzzing, mate. Can't wait. I'll absolutely love the uh, the retro there from the guru. Um, I was contemplating dyeing my hair blonde, but uh, I think I'll, I'll stick it like this for now and see how Foden gets on first. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not the worst shout there, mate. I don't think any of us will be going blonde unless we are win the competition and Foden brings it home. But then, um, you know, we'll have to maybe sort something out if that ever does eventuate in the end. And then finally, as the usual on the podcast tonight, we've got Statman Dave. How are you doing, mate? Going well, Elliot. Um, got up early Tuesday morning to watch the Mighty Socceroos play and uh, get into my late night football watching groove. Uh, it was a little 5am start here in Melbourne. 5-1 demolition of uh, Chinese Taipei. So... Uh, not bad considering we we're a pretty young team preparing for the Olympics more than anything. So I uh, might even get around the Matildas tonight that are playing at 2am. It's definitely good practice, mate, starting watching all the football that you possibly can. But there was a few other games in the European sense as well that have happened since our last podcast. And we'll start with you, Dave. Germany absolutely demolishing uh, Lithuania there, didn't they? 7-1. And just who sort of stood out for you there and who's what, someone that people should, you know, have on their minds as they, they make all the final additions to their Euro fantasy team? Well, yeah, it was a bit of a mauling in the end. Um, it was goals for uh, Gozens, Gundogan, Muller, Nabri, uh, Werner and Sane. And uh, probably the interesting thing was is, is who actually started in the game as well. So Havertz got the start over Leroy Sane. Um, even, well, they both... Uh, Sane certainly got on the sh- on the score sheet though, and uh, Muller also started ahead of Werner, but both of them managed to score as well. So, uh, some interesting sort of things to think about when you're picking your team for the for the first week. Yeah, definitely. And Matt, you got to have a little smile on your face there, even if it is the German scoring. Seeing Gundogan back on the score sheet must make you happy. Yeah, I did. I did see that, and it's, it's tempted me. I'm not going to lie; it's tempted me. So, <laughs> you know, it's good to see. Might might thought- make the uh, might make the cut. I thought you were laughing at the fact that Werner scored. <laughs> yeah, that's all. <laughs> one of the two. One of the two, mate. But um, no, he's, he's definitely one to... He's playing on a few managers' minds, I think, as well. No one's really sure if he's going to get that advanced role that you spoke about, especially on the last podcast. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But another player who's playing on a lot of people's minds, including myself right now, Jack, is Bruno Fernandes, who helped Portugal to another win, didn't he? Yeah, listen, I know it's against Israel, right? But... I watched the game um, and they, they absolutely ran right. I mean, that 
the front six for Portugal were unplayable. Uh, Ronaldo looked like a 22-year-old. Um, he was getting around it and he celebrates like he's still scoring his first goals for the for country. Um, you know, he, he bagged in there. Bruno, our guy, um, giving absolutely everyone headaches because he looks so impressive. Scored two goals. The last one um, in the you know in injury time was a screamer. Um, I think it was maybe just outside the edge of the area, which gives you an extra bonus point in the, in these rules in fantasy football at Euros. Um, so he's looked he's looked the goods and. Yotta didn't didn't get on the score sheet, but looked great. And Bernardo Silva as well, he looked on fire. Um, so, listen, I think there's some headaches. You know, Portugal's got that great fixture against Hungary to start off with. Uh, so I think there's an opportunity there to load up with the triple on the assets. But it's just whether you can squeeze Bruno in there along with your other assets because he is an expensive one. But he's oh God, he is worth it, isn't he? Yeah, and it's just difficult with the, the four that you just mentioned there, Yota, Bernardo Silva, Bruno Fernandes and Cristiano Ronaldo. Just so many to pick from from that Portugal side, yeah, especially in attack and, you know, in defence as well. So they're going to be a force to be reckoned with this summer. That's for certain. But, you know, it would have been really nice for you to see Bruno back on the score sheet and, you know, price 10.5 million he is in this. So he's definitely going to be one that I'm sure you're going to look at, isn't he? Yeah, it was in my first draft, um, and I did take him out to just to uh, just to look at everyone across the field and get more players in. But he's so tempting to get back in, and obviously you mentioned the defence as well with Cancelo from City he got on the score sheet, nice left foot goal. Um, he's 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 a threat going forward um, as well. So yeah, too too much too much choice in there. Yeah, too much quality. But a team that's a little bit depleted of their first team quality at the minute, Matt, is is the team that you wrote an article on the other day, which is Spain. And um, they've had a little bit of a COVID crisis and we're sort of experts in this field now with what's happened this season with Fantasy Premier League. But, you know, what, what do you sort of make of it? They still managed to field their under-21 side, didn't they, and still win quite convincingly. So are you sort of going to be a little bit wary of the Spain assets? Yeah, it's going to be a last minute. Uh, job, I think, with Spain, you know, right up until the, the deadline and, you know, check the news, refresh Instagram pages and that type of thing. It's, it's a big thing of mine as I tend to stalk the players and see what they're up to on Instagram before putting them in my team. So I think I'll be doing a bit of that with the, the Spanish players before deadline and, you know, seeing if they've got COVID or not. Yeah, it's just the things that you've got to do these days with that sort of thing. But, you know, they've definitely still got the quality to uh, to impress at this summer's competition. So uh, it will definitely just be sort of touch and go and a little bit interesting to see how it goes. And Ollie has just said, all Spain, uh, all Spain players tested negative, I'm fairly sure. So I'm sure he's off in, uh, off in Europe right now, just in the Spain camp, just making sure that everyone's OK for his team there. But um, unfortunately, he can't make it tonight. But as you can see, he's here with us in the live chat, just sharing a little bit of insight. Usually it's you, Matt, giving us that insight. As you say, you like to you know follow the Twitter, follow the players, just see what they're doing. So uh, maybe that's something that you've got to get on just to just to make sure that you're getting all your, your correct information, mate. Yeah, no, 100%. Do, yeah, do more, Guru. Do more. Yeah, he's got to do more for us, hasn't he? But you, you do have your Guru section later on, so maybe a little mention here or there will be made. But we'll get on to the exciting stuff now. All the qualifiers and friendlies out of the way for the Euros and onto the fixtures for match day one. As we, as you can see, we're all extremely excited. It kicks off 5am Australian time on Saturday morning with Turkey v Italy. We'll just go through all of the fixtures and we'll sort of pick what, how we think it's going to pan out, have a little discussion. So we'll start with you jack i'll give you the first game first european uh, euro game in five years we were talking before so um you know it's going to be a very special one i'm sure there'll be a lot of high viewership there so turkey v italy jack how can you see this one going 
Listen, it's, it's actually, a crack, I think it's going to be a cracking opening game, isn't it? Obviously, with Turkey, um, obviously, they've got some great assets and great players in there. They've got the form of uh, the veteran up top, Yilmaz, um, who's always been, you know, been on fire this season. Uh, but Italy, I think they're ones to watch. I had a little double in the uh, in the betting market with them the other day, just as a, a big outsiders in there. Um, I think they're exciting going forward. Italy traditionally very solid at the back, but this is definitely the most exciting team for them for the last, you know, maybe 10, 10 years, 15 years or so. Um, so I think there's going to be, it's going to be a bit of a nerve wracking game, but there might be some uh, goals early on. I think we've seen that in previous big tournaments. Everyone's uh, a bit nervous at the start and all of a sudden there's a goal straight away. Um, I'm going to go for Italy 2-1 in this one. Yeah, definitely, mate. I think it's I think it's going to be a close one. I think Turkey are you know probably the dark horses of the competition this year for me. I think if there's going to be any team that's going to sort of shock everyone with the way that they perform. I think it's going to be Turkey. So um, yeah, I definitely wouldn't put it past them. But Italy probably too strong for them. I would agree. And moving on to the second game of Group A, it's Wales v Switzerland. And um, just because it's Gareth Bale, Matt, we will go to you for this one. Sorry, Dave, you'll you'll be next. But um, you could have this one. Matt, how do you think this one's going to go? Gareth Bell hat-trick? Oh, that'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, not sure on Wales. Now Giggs is obviously not in charge. Um, they do have quite a nice squad. Obviously, Switzerland, uh, you know, uh, Reedy, who, you know, big lover of, of the pod. He, he loves Switzerland. <laughs> loves so, um, that I'm going to go Gareth Wales. Is what I'm going to call them. I'm calling them Gareth Wales. Gareth, Gareth Wales. Wales. Gareth Wales, two, Switzerland, one, and Bale to bag both. Bale to pull them over the line. Yeah, that's definitely a, a fair assessment of that game, I think. I think Switzerland are probably, um, yeah, Switzerland and Wales, probably the two weaker teams in that group, but definitely both capable of doing things in the summer's tournament as well. We'll move on to Group B now. And Dave, I will not ask you this one because, you know, it's got you've got your team, Belgium, in the next one. So Denmark, Finland, personally, I think, the Danish are going to be a little too strong for Finland there. And I think they'll probably prevail out of that one. Maybe um, goals from your, your old man, Christian Eriksen, Matt, maybe, or something like that, or Yusuf Poulsen from RB Leipzig or something like that. But I think they'll probably win that 2-0, probably just being a little too strong for Finland in the end. But um, you've got Belgium v Russia now, Dave. So, um, you know, you've, you've backed Lukaku, you've backed Courtois, you've backed Alderweireld. In, uh, in the previews the other day on, on Instagram at Esports Live now. So uh, surely you're going to go for a, a Belgian win here. Oh, 100%. I think this, out of all the games this weekend, or this match day, I think that's the one you want to load up on with players. I think there'll be clean sheets to be had um, for Belgian players. And I think um, even without, you know, De Bruyne or Hazard playing full games, um, they'll be just too classy across the pitch, I think. And uh, Russia won't have much to, to give in return. Yeah, I definitely can't argue too much with that one either. I think it'll probably be a little bit of a domination from the Red Devils there. And Jack, as, as the little kid on the podcast with the, with the England shirt on, the excited little boy, you could have England v Croatia um, in Group D, the opening game for the for the three lines of the summer, and it's got to start with a win, doesn't it? Of course it has. Um, you know, I'd love to uh, say it's going to be a demolition, but listen, Croatia are probably the toughest team in our group. Um you know, the Scottish will probably definitely give us a game, but I think the Croatians are going to be the hardest. Um, I'm probably just going to go for a conservative score here of um, 1-0 to the three Lions. don't know what the guru yeah. thinks. And uh, pick a little goal scorer for us there, mate. Is it going to be Harry Kane, Rashford, Grealish? Listen, it's going to be uh, Grealish for me because he's in my team. I've taken Harry Kane out. <laughs> 
Ooh, interesting. We will get oh, onto that a little bit more later. Yeah, that's, a, that's definitely a big, big shout there. We'll have to, you know, sort of assess what you've you've done to your team there later. But um, that's a, a very, very big call. But we'll move on to the uh, the first game of Group C now. Austria v North Macedonia. Probably one of the more underwhelming games that we've talked about so far. And I'm sorry, Dave, you're going to have to give us your prediction for that one. So, um, yeah, what, what's your evaluation of that game? Oh, look. Yeah, it's probably not the most interesting one. I certainly won't be staying up all night to be watching it, but um, probably I'd say Austria will probably get up by at least two. Um, but yeah, not by a huge amount. Yeah, not too sure if Pandev can do it by himself anymore for North Macedonia these days, but it will definitely be an interesting one. And then we've got the Netherlands v Ukraine. So Matt, what, what's your assessment of that? Yeah, this is going to be an interesting game. I've, I've always been a big fan of... Uh, the style of football that uh, Holland play and, you know, the players of the past, but not too sure on their squad this year. So I'm going to go Ukraine look, uh, Ukraine look quite good in their uh, friendly the other week too. So I'm going to say, I'm going to go 1-1. Yeah, it's pro probably, not, probably not too harsh either to say. I, I, I do understand what you're saying there with, you know, no, no Van Dijk or anything like that. And Ukraine impressed the other morning, didn't they? So um, it's definitely going to be one that is going to be interesting and, you know, people might be overestimating the Dutch. I sort of agree with you there as well. So it will just be just be interesting. We'll have to see how it pans out in a, in a couple of days' time. And, you know, Switzerland, uh, not Switzerland, Scotland v Czech Republic are the other teams that partner England and Croatia in Group D. And um, I could probably see this one being a draw as well. Both teams won recently in their um, international friendly duties the other morning. So um, probably say a 1-1 between those two, I think. Maybe a, uh, it would be rude to say Thomas Suchek's not going to score in that one, I think. And um, yeah, maybe maybe John McGinn, your man John McGinn, Matt. So uh, we'll just have to see how that one pans out. But yeah, a 1-1 in that game. So uh, yeah, that, that'll be it from me. Hopefully the Czech Republic win that game. Sorry. Yeah, we, we'd love that, wouldn't we? I'd love a, a Thomas Suchek hat-trick, mate. I don't know about you, but um, that'd be nice to see, wouldn't it? Anything to beat the Scottish. It's fine. Go on. As long as we batter them, that's all that matters at the end of the day. That would be brilliant. And then we've got Poland v Slovakia, Jack, for you to uh, analyse for us. I think, yeah, just what, what are you going to make of that one? Listen, I'm, I'm probably not going to anal analyse it, but I'll give you a score prediction. Um, I'll go Poland 1-0. Um, Lewandowski. Um, no, Szczesny from goal kick. <laughs> or Fabianski, whoever one plays. <laughs> if you're right with that one, then we'll probably be back on next week asking you for the lottery numbers, mate. So we'll just have to <laughs> that one. But um, yeah, 1-0. Probably Poland probably too strong for Slovakia, but they have got Martin Dubravka in net. So um, you never really save, know. Save points galore. <laughs> exactly right save points galore you never really know with those sorts of players so um, yeah that'll be an interesting one and then Dave Spain v Sweden what what do you sort of make of that one yeah uh, I think I think Spain will take that one out um, maybe not obviously there's a bit of drama going on in the background we don't know how that's going to play out yet but I'd say if if um, Ollie's right and everyone's tested negative then then hopefully that means Spain should should take care of them fairly easily 
Yeah, and Ollie has said in the chat that he is now the COVID guru. So he's taken that title away from you, Matt, and I'm sure you're happy <laughs> to give that over to him. So he's um yeah, he's the little COVID analysis worker for Esports Live and FPL Addicts now, I guess. So uh whenever you've got COVID issues, drop him in the Discord and Ollie will have to help everybody out. I'm sure he'll be more than happy to. And then moving on to the final group of the competition, Group F, the group of death. We've got Hungary v Portugal, and I'll I'll save France, Germany for you, Matt, so you can have a little more fun with that one but I think it, it's just going to be rude to say that Portugal aren't going to win this one I can see them beating Hungary by about three or four goals I think you know we spoke about them before Ronaldo, Jota, Bruno, Bernardo Silva all the quality they've got I think you know probably a, a 3-0 Portugal in that one and then Matt to round it off to round off match day one we've got France v Germany probably the game of the round in my opinion so um, what are you going to make of that? Yeah it's going to be a brilliant game um, I think Germany, I think Germany are going to win it. I think they'll be ready and they'll be prepared. Um, I'm going to go one nil Germany. Gundogan to score. Yeah, Gundogan to score. Top corner. <laughs> <laughs> Good to answer score to take his shirt off and have a picture of Matt Day, the guru underneath on his undershirt. <laughs> yeah, one nil to the uh, Germans, I think. Yeah, probably uh, not. Not a not a. A wrong assessment there at all in any way I think you know we always speak about Germany in terms of knockout competitions and how ready they are and how fierce they are and how feared they are so um, yeah it's sort of going to be anyone's game that to take out I think but we will move on now swiftly and we're going to do just analyse sort of the top assets for each position and you know that the top selected and why they're selected and maybe why they shouldn't be selected in our opinion. So we will start with the forwards and Dave, it's no surprise to see that Romelu Lukaku is owned by 45% of Euro fantasy managers. Is it? Not at all. He was certainly probably the first one I picked in my, my team and he's been stable in there throughout all my revisions that I've done. Um, look, I think, you know, if you look at his form, uh, for into this season, then, um, you know, you can't, it's a struggle to go past him. And I think there'll be plenty of goals to be scored from Belgium. So he'll be featuring in many of them, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's it's no surprise. I think he is the most owned player in the game. I will just check quickly. And yes, he is 1% more than N'Golo Kante. Just a little teaser for you there for the midfielders. But um, yeah, Lukaku, the, the most owned player as of now, could be subject to change within the next day or so. But um, yeah, wouldn't be surprised if he keeps that title for the uh, the most owned player at the start. And um, Jack, you know, the man that you've just taken out of your team, Harry Kane, with 39% ownership, um, do you think a few people are going to sail the ship with him and depart their ways? I think um, you might have noticed, actually, I think uh, Kane was around 40, 44%, 43% over the last week or so. And a lot of people have kind of, you know, he's dropped down there. Obviously, people have been moving the teams around. Um, but I think, obviously, just that fixture against Croatia's, you know, obviously not more of a guaranteed one. Obviously, nothing's guaranteed in this, but it's not uh, the easiest fixture to contend with. So maybe that's where some people have had doubts about Kane in there. And obviously, with his price, obviously, definitely one of the more expensive ones in there. And for good reason, obviously, being uh, one of the best in the world, if not the. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, he's, he's well deserving to be up there. Um Obviously, his ownership is dropping there just because I think people are just having a look at that fixture and questioning whether it is a guaranteed one. But listen, he's going to be back in my squad after the match week one. Don't worry. 
Yeah, the beauty of it is that there is only seven game weeks and you do get what the equivalent of an FPL wildcard would be. So you do get your limitless chip. So um, yeah, you're not sort of spanning it over 18, 19, sorry, so games with one of them every half a season. So um, yeah, you can definitely make the most of your chip there and play it as you wish. And then the final third that you could have in your team as the most selected striker is Kylian Mbappe, Jack. And is there any surprises there? Mbappe, no, not at all. If you know, he's up there for for good reason as well. Um, I think he's not he's not in my team currently, just because of that fixture against Germany as well. Um, just consider he's probably going to come in against Hungary. You know, if he can move those players around, I'm going to try and take off every striker the way I'm going at the minute. But um, I think yeah, Mbappe is he's on he's on good form. Scored for France the other night as well in the friendly. Um, you know, I, I don't think Giroud's going to be taking his spot or anything anytime soon. But Mbappe can play anyway across that front three. Or front two, I think they played the other night. Um, if they can, you know, if he starts off with a bang against Germany, I think he's obviously going to fly any. But um, I think it's another difficult fixture, and he wasn't for me on this one. Yeah, so Reedy hasn't really got through to you then the other night. He told you that you need a few more big players, and he said that Mbappe earlier on. I remember he said that Mbappe was the first name on the, on the team sheet for him. So he hasn't really had that much influence yeah. on you yet. No, not at all. And he talks more nonsense than me, Reedy. <laughs> Uh, as you said on the other podcast, he's got to check his FPL rank and then he can uh, start start chatting up to you. But um, Matt, Cristiano Ronaldo there, if you can see on the screen, 27% ownership for Cristiano Ronaldo. at priced at the same 12 million price point as Kylian Mbappe. Are you surprised that he doesn't have, you know, just a little bit more ownership? Yeah, I am, especially with the opening fixture. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, they're obviously, because he's playing the last game, isn't he? He's on the last match day, so... Um, a lot of people are put off by that. Um, but for me, it's, it's not going to put me off having him in my team. I think that's a fixture you want him in um, out of all the Portugal group games. So, yeah, I'm surprised he's not, not in, uh, Strange one, in more that, teams. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it really, really is. I'm, I'm not too sure on that one either. Obviously, he's not in my team, so I can understand it a little bit more. I've gone with Mbappe, Kane and Lukaku for the moment. But, um, yeah, surprise, 27% is quite low for him, especially for someone that's, you know, regarded as one of the greatest in these sort of knockout competitions. And they are, of course, we forget that Portugal are the, the reigning champions of the Euros. So, um, you know, they'll, they'll be one of, wanting to keep their hands on that trophy at all costs. So, um, yeah, surprised with 27% on Cristiano Ronaldo. And then Memphis Depay has got 21% ownership, priced at 10 million. And I'm sure Oli will be really happy with that to see that, you know, he's got other people that are going the same sort of way as him with with Memphis Depay and, you know, their fixture against Ukraine. So, um, yeah, his 21% of owners will be hoping that he can uh, bag a few for him. But that's the, the top five uh, most owned strikers in fantasy and we'll move on to the midfielders now we did just before a little teaser with N'Golo Kante Jack with 44% ownership and um, it's a bit of an interesting one he's priced at 5.5 million so it's understandable but why do so many people got the defensive midfielder like yeah, I think, listen, Kante's performances in the Champions League, what was it, three in the semi, two semi-finals and the grand final, three man-of-the-match performances. Um, at 5.5, he's playing in a team who are one of the favourites for the tournaments. You know, at 5.5, great value. Um, is he going to score? He's probably the most least likely to score in that team because he'll be protecting the back line and mopping up. But as can he score? Yes, we've seen goals in him before. Um, he's... 
guaranteed, you know, to get some sort of points in there for his outstanding displays, you know, his extra points for, you know, being involved in, in the play and, you know, mopping up clean, you know. Um, so, yeah, listen, I, I understand why people have got him in there and there's, you know, for better value, there's not a huge amount of different ones available. I think uh, Elliot's just struggling with his internet there. I might just uh, <laughs> jump, jump on with this one. Um, Elliot, can you hear us? <laughs> All right, okay. We'll go on to the backup backup version. I'll just jump onto my one. Um, Dave, if you can look after uh, Elliot in the background and try and get him back on once his internet has sorted itself out. Um, we'll just look at the... Um, Midfield options in there. I'll just take a obviously can Jota out there. Midfielders. <clears throat> so go on to midfielders. Uh, we're looking at uh, we go recommended players. Uh, price or by not the price selected by. Ah, oh, selected by. Thank you. All good. So we've got Kante in there. Um, obviously, Matt, I'll just go over to you. Um, Nigo from Hungary. What are you thinking about him at four mil? Thirty-nine percent ownership. Yeah, it's definitely all about the fact that he's just, uh, you know, an, an enabler who you put him in and he enables you to have better players in other positions. You know, four four million. That's that's the only reason a lot of people have him. He's on my bench, I think, as well. So, um, you know, he's just there. So, and I having a bench is big in this Euro fantasy, but I think if there's one spot you can just kind of set and forget, it's 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 that one and having. You know that that cheap option in there. Yeah, definitely. As you say, he's sort of the, uh, the the bench fodder, isn't he? Of the the four million, one of the cheapest midfielders in the game. So um, that's probably you know his purpose in the game. Don't know how many minutes he'll get. Don't really know too much about him either. But um, it'll be a little bit interesting. And then we move on to Mason Mount at seven uh, million and thirty percent ownership. Dave, and are you are you surprised by that? That someone like Jack Grealish or Phil Foden isn't more more owned by more percentage of people. I think that's that's the whole thing at the moment is no one really knows what's going on in Southgate's head and who's who he's actually going to start. Like I've I had Mount in my team for a while and I've actually taken him out because I'm I have no idea what's going to happen. So I'd rather you know transfer in while we've got free transfers somebody who's who's definitely going to play a lot of minutes and you know take the safe option and maybe after the first game maybe you look at um, bringing those guys in because they'll have a couple of easier fixtures in match day two and three. Yeah, absolutely. And then probably the most surprising one I think we've had so far isn't Kante at 44% owned. It's Kevin De Bruyne at 25% owned at 10.5 million and the massive injury cloud over his head, Matt. We talk a lot about, you know, taking a look at all the players and stuff like that, but he surely can't play the first game. Only showed up to the, the Belgium training camp the other day and he's pretty much been ruled out by everything that I've read from the first game. So are you surprised to see that, you know, the 25% of people playing this game, that's one quarter have, have gone with Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, look, he's still in my team. I think um, it is a bit of a surprise. I think people are just holding for now until they get more news. You know, he was pictured uh, with the squad and that type of thing. And yeah, I think everyone's just holding now until right up until deadline and, you know, and they make the decision there. So, um, but look, if he was fit, then, um, I think he'd be in all of our teams, but yeah, surprised that that, uh, that many people have retained him for now. 
Yeah, it's definitely going to be a, a little bit touch and go. I think, you know, reading all the news reports, watching all the press conferences, because Belgium, as we know, do have a pretty early game within the match week. So he doesn't have too much time to recover from his uh, Champions League final injury, courtesy of Antonio Rudiger. But um, Rudiger's teammate, Joshua Kimmich, is the uh, the fifth most owned midfielder in the game. Another defensive midfielder. So it's, it's very interesting. You know, that's probably two more defensive players. Uh, midfielders Kante and Kimmich both that we've got and he's just got one percent less ownership than Kevin De Bruyne Jack he's got 24 percent ownership at six uh six million there as you can see and you know he's got France in his first game so you are you a little bit surprised by that one um yes and no he was actually in my first draft pick um as well in my first draft team um just obviously found a few different other players alternatives to him but great player I think he assisted the other night for Germany as well um you know, playing. Um, I think he's playing right wing back um, or right centre mid, one or the other, or rotating between the two. But he's so versatile. Um, he's had outstanding last couple of seasons uh, at club level as well. So, not surprised in terms of his ability. He's a bit like Kante, I guess, in terms of that price um, and his performances that he puts in. So, good squad filler. Um, but I think there's a couple of different assets around that value you could get. Yeah, definitely. One of them, as you can see, they're highlighted in purple. Chiesa from Italy, 7 million, Matt, and 20% ownership. Is he one that people are maybe, you know, looking at that 20% of people? I thought when I got him in, he was going to be a little bit of a differential. But I think maybe looking at that now, a few too many people might have him in their teams for my liking, I think. Yeah, his ownership's through the roof now. And he's one of those, you know, we're all talking about him now and hyping him up. And it's just, you know, does he get the start? Does he put the performances in? So, um, yeah, that's that's big ownership for someone that is probably not guaranteed. You know, his name on the team sheet because he, he didn't play the last friendly, did he, Jack? I think he'd come on for the last 20 minutes or so. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I think he's been in and out of Juventus this year, but I think he's still performed well. But for Italy, I don't think he's actually started that many since Berardi's burst on the scene. Um, I think he's shown a lot. His, his stats are definitely shown a lot better uh, than Chiesa's. I think you mentioned he was about 1 in 20. I think he scored for, on the international level and Berardi's hit uh, 5 in 10, I think it is. Um, or it might be 6 in 11 now after the friendly the other night, but Berardi at 6 mil for me. I think after this first game, they'll see a big change in the ownership with Chiesa. I agree, yeah, and I think as well. So, sorry, yeah, just to say, Jack, as well. I think with um, Italy, they're similar to England in the fact they've just got so many options going yeah. forward. That's it. I think that's what what puts them out of, like, this outside chance because they're so exciting. They don't know what the you know Mancini's going to do really with the team um, and what they are actually going to look like and if they can perform in this big stage. But and that's the excitement of the tournament, right? And that's why we we can't wait um, to get going. Yeah, and you might just as well have persuaded me there to, to downgrade or maybe upgrade, downgrade and value upgrade and, you know, maybe potential points to, to Berardi there from Chiesa. So, um, yeah, as we say, the, the draft teams that we show you today probably aren't going to be our final squads because, you know, it's the, the classic fantasy team antics, you know, 30 minutes before the deadline. You're still checking your team, making sure that it's all good for the, for the season ahead. But they were the, the top six, I think they were, for the, uh, for the midfielders, maybe the top seven we didn't talk about Bruno Fernandes but if we get onto the defenders we start with the Portuguese in Ruben Diaz Dave are you surprised by that you know they've got a really favourable fixture uh, to Hungary there and you know a, a standout season the, the Premier League player of the season deservedly or not deservedly he was given Premier League player of the season uh, for his brilliant debut season at Manchester City so um, there's no surprise really that, that he's 41% of owned is there? 
No, look, I think for me, with my sort of defenders and goalkeeper, I'll be sort of chasing clean sheets. I think that's where most of my transfers are going to be. So I think certainly with that first game, um, I'm, I've definitely got um, – I've been tossing up between either Cancelo or or Diaz, and I've gone with Cancelo at the moment. Um, but, yeah, certainly I'll be making a fair few changes at the back end to sort of go for the fixture, I think, who's going to have the, the highest chance of clean sheets. Yeah, definitely. And and Matt, you spoke a lot about, you know, the Dutch before and the style of play that Netherlands play with. And Matthias De Ligt, you know, absolute young star, 5.5 million, 37% ownership. Um, are you surprised by that with the, uh, the sort of words that you were talking about the Netherlands before? Yeah, no, I'm really surprised. Um, I think a lot looking at a lot of these ownership, there's a lot of players, you know, world-class players, and they're kind of probably being picked more by, you know, their legacy and, you know, and their name as opposed to their fantasy, you know, football potential. And, um, yeah, that's that's an interesting one for, for De Ligt because um, I'm, I'm not sure if he's really a huge goal-scoring defender. And, you know, the Dutch do let a lot of goals in. And, um, you know, they've shown that in their, you know, they let two against, uh, was it two goals against Scotland in recently? Mm-hmm. So, you know, what's yeah. that say about them? It doesn't really say much for them, does it, at all? <laughs> You're not wrong there. They're conceding to the Scottish. And then the third uh, most owned defender is Kier from Denmark there. And he's he's one that I know that Ollie's got. So if Ollie is watching along, I'm sure he'll be piping up in the comments, uh, hyping him up and you know telling us all to get him in our teams. But um, he's five point. Uh, 4.5 million and 25% own Jack. So he's probably one that, you know, people are going to assume that is going to get the start, do you think, against Finland? Yeah, listen, he should start. Um, Denmark have got a nice, you know, set of fixtures in their group. Um, I think we put them down in our predictor for for second place in there. Um, so they've got a nice set of fixtures um, and he'll, yeah, he should start. He's great value and I think that's why he's, he's so highly owned. Um it's interesting, obviously, the top three assets in there, they're all obviously centre-backs, aren't they? So it's quite interesting that there's no, um, usually in FPL, it's all full of full-backs and, and the wing-backs. So uh, it's quite interesting to see there they're the, uh, the ownership rankings on the three centre-backs at the top. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a good point that you do make there. It's usually in fantasy Premier League, if you play with a four at the back, you've got four fullbacks. If you play with a five at the back, you've got five fullbacks most of the time. And if you play with a three at the back, you've got three fullbacks. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a different kettle of fish this Euro fantasy and, you know, different playing field, different players, different minds, I guess, as well. So, um, yeah, they're, they're favouring the centre-backs these days, I think, which is, you know, it's still quite surprising, isn't it? Considering it's a knockout tournament, Jack, and, you know, you've got to go for goals. It's not really 38 games across the season where you can, you know, hold out for draws and stuff like that. It's, you know, goals, goals, goals galore usually in these sorts of competitions, isn't it? Yeah, and you might find there's obviously a lot of goals coming from set pieces more and more often now. And obviously the last, you know, VAR and, you know, uh, free kicks happening and, I don't know, tackles. And, you know, if you've got better set piece deliveries, the centre-halves are going up and there's a chance to get even goals in there. So, you know, if you're getting these defenders at 4.5 and the bagging goals going up from corners, you know, like you've got Torres in your team there. You know, he's, if if Spain do play, he's a big lad and he's definitely a threat. Um, and the likes of you know De Ligt and um, Diaz, these boys can get goals, and we saw how they perform, like you said, in this season. Yeah, and Pal Torres will want to keep up his good form. You know, in the last. Uh game that he played for his club we've got to get it sure, in somewhere yeah, yeah. with the, uh, with the uh, <laughs> Europa League triumph over Manchester United so he'll want to 
keep going with that. But we will move on to the the most owned goalkeepers now. We'll just go through the top three. And uh, Lucas Hiradeki there, Matt. He's um you know he's he's very very cheap for a constant starter at Bayer Leverkusen and someone that you know is probably near near enough guaranteed to start for Finland. He's priced at four million and he's thirty five percent owned. Is he one that you know you're quite surprised people have gone with considering you know it is Finland and no disrespect to them, but you're going to assume that they're going to leak goals, wouldn't you assume? Yeah, you'd expect so. Um, but I can see why people have done it. Um, you know, you always want to try and have that cheap uh, starting second goalkeeper on your bench. Um, and, you know, if, you, if your first starting goalkeeper lets in a couple of goals, you might want to sub him on. Um, is there There's save points in this game as well, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you'd expect him to get quite a few saves, um, you know, which, which could help with the, uh, with the points. So I can see why people have gone for him, though. It's a real good way to save some money and you get a goalkeeper that's going to start and, potentially make a lot of saves. Yeah, absolutely. And the second one on the list there is my starting goalkeeper, Donnarumma from Italy. They're 5.5 million and 27% owned. And um, I don't really think there's too much of a surprise there. Italy have got a pretty favourable group and, um, you know, he's a very well, well-respected, well well-esteemed goalkeeper, quite young still, um, which is quite shocking to a lot of people because he's been around what seems for years now, but started at such a young age, his professional career. So, um, yeah, a lot of people have gone with him. And then the final one that we'll talk about, Dave, is your man, Thibaut Courtois, 6 million and 20 six percent owned are you surprised by that or is that just sort of standard for you and you think he should be a little bit more owned uh no look i think he's he's obviously slightly more expensive than the other so maybe people might look for a bit more value from their keeper but i think for me like he's he's certainly going to get clean sheets throughout the tournament so i think you know I, i haven't wavered from him as my starting keeper and um you know schmeichel who's number four is my backup so you know they'll you know maybe with the the interchange rules uh in the game when we might i might sort of rotate those two but yeah i'm not surprised that that where he he is where he is yeah absolutely and that's just a a little bit of food for thought for all you euro fancy managers out there who are uh, not too sure what to do with their transfers just a little bit of analysis on who the top owned are and that was our predictions for the uh, for the euros as well but that wraps up this section Moving on now, we did do it only a couple of days ago. It's our draft teams, but um, you know, I'm sure there's been a fair few changes for a couple of people. So we will start out with you, Jack. And um, you know, the other day you made a lot of transfers. So what, what have you sort of done in the, the past you know, four days, two hours to uh, to make changes to your team? Yeah, it's um, listen. It's too hard not to make changes in this in this competition we're playing in. Um, so I've, I kind of I looked at that Spain. Spain uh, debacle what's going on with the COVID and God knows what's going to happen. So I just wanted it out of sight, out of mind. So I took all my Spanish players out, three out and uh, three changes in. Um, and then, yeah, ended up with um, bringing, and then also with Harry Kane coming out uh, just with that Croatia fixture, gave me um, an option just to bring in Lukaku instead. So he's up top with um, Ronaldo um, and then brought Cancelo in after his performance this morning um, for Portugal. Um, and then, well, so with Jack Grealish, so that's getting an England player in there, and obviously he looks great. Uh, does does Jack uh, sharing the initials there, JG? So yeah, obviously I want to see him do well and having that English player in there, and then just brought uh, Arnautovic in for um, for Moreno uh, from that Spanish change. So you know, I think Arnautovic could, you know, he's a great, he's actually a great player. I think everyone thinks his attitude stinks, but he's actually a class player. Um, he's probably about 31, 32 now, but he's got a good record for Austria. And can he get, I'm sure he can maybe bag against um, Macedonia as well. 
Yeah, you'd like to think so. And it's interesting, you've gone with a, a 15-man squad there instead of the 11, which a lot of people are going for. So is that sort of part of your plan? You know, if you've got players like Cancelo that you can bring off the bench, it's going to be, you know, you're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the, uh, the mini-leagues, aren't you? I think so. You've got to look at that squad. Uh, I think that's the issue about overloading with your starting 11. Um, I think, you know, this game allows you to, you know, move those subs around, pick and choose how you please, change your captain around. Um, so if you, you need those options on the bench to bring in, um, you know, and if, you know, the, um, you know, Mounier, you don't know if he's going to play for Belgium to start off with because they've been moving their team around a bit. So if he's not playing, Cancelo can come in um, or Denea, who's great value. You know, there's options on there and you need them, you know, and if Arnautovic bags a hat-trick, you know, obviously if you can bring him in, then looking great, you know, so I've just got to pick that team right and going into the deadline. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely a, a really solid 15-man squad that you've got there. We'll move on to the guru now, and I'm probably inclined to think that he probably hasn't made any changes yet. He's keeping all of his uh, all of his picks a little bit secret and um, waiting for the for the deadlines as he does, working best under pressure, I think. Is that is that right to say, Matt? Yeah, similar to FPL, I normally do my team with FPL. I normally do it in the last week. Um, and then, um, you know, I don't like to kind of stew on it. Um, and then the same with this Euros. Obviously, it's a short tournament, so I've kind of kept my team. And then tomorrow, I'll, uh, you know, I'll get to work and, um, you know, make some changes. I was going to quickly say, just on Jack's side, just to revert back, Anatovic, um, are you confident he's going to play, Jack? Because I have looked at him as, as one of my options, but... I did hear he had a thigh injury. Oh, well, if that's a uh, hot off yeah. the press, mate, then there we go. Eh? You love throwing yeah. something in the mixer. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'm just going to go and change my team around just now, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I, I didn't know if I wanted to help him. Uh, obviously, because we're in this cash league. Um, but like, I wanted to throw that one in the mix because my team's pretty plain at the moment. There's no changes. I've still got McGinn in there. I've still got De Bruyne. So I'm one of the you know, the 27%. Uh, Chiesa, he'll probably be coming out. Um Alaba, he he's sitting in there at the moment still. Um, not too sure. I fancy Austria that much, but you know he's um, you know he's cheap and he's going to be on the left wing. Um, still got Tim Krul in goal. Um, really happy with him. Um, Samedo might have to go. I saw he didn't start today, so um, yeah, not sure who for. Um, but yeah, not really much. I was keeping Harry Kane though. Not not taking him out. I think. Um, you know, golden boot in the uh, in the Premier League, golden boot in the World Cup, um, England at Wembley. Everyone's going to be absolutely buzzing. I think there's about twenty five percent capacity there on Sunday as well. So, yeah, I think um, you know, I think Kane will score in that in that game. Yeah, definitely the three things that are certain in life: death, taxes, and Harry Kane being a Matt Day, the Guru's fantasy Premier League or Euro <laughs> teams all the time, mate. So, um, you know, wouldn't expect any less from you there. And we will we'll have a quick look at his team now. Ollie, who isn't here tonight with us, but um, he he has made a few changes, I think, or maybe maybe he hadn't made any changes. I'm, I'm wrong. I think he he hasn't been stewing over it like uh, a lot of us have, and you know playing around a little bit there so um yeah he's not really made too many changes to his side as he said so we'll move on to you Dave and you can uh take us through your team and have you made any any changes any amendments to your side uh I think in the last couple of days I've made a couple um as I said sort of in the defensive sort of end um so you know Kane, Lukaku and Depay have been there since day one and I think they'll probably stay there um so I bought in Cancelo um also, Benucci's come in. Uh, Kante's made his way back in at the moment. Um, you know, 
for the same reasons we've sort of discussed already with him. Like he's he's obviously the cheapest midfielder and should get some game time. We'll see what happens there. Um, probably the only sort of sub that I'd look to make at the moment is is um, Kaya to come in for for Bednarak probably, um, and that's more just because of the day that the fixtures are on. Um, so. <coughs> Yeah, I'm fairly happy with where it's at at the moment. I may make a small change, but um, yeah, pretty happy with where it's at. I've, I've, I've come around to Italy a little bit, hence why there's a couple of Italians on there now. So um, yeah, we'll see if they stay in there. Yeah, we saw in your, your little infographic the other day on the uh, the Esports Live social pages, he was uh, raving about Italy and Belgium. So um, Jorginho is definitely one that we haven't really talked about much. Talked about him a little bit this season with FPL, but um, you know, he's obviously going to be one of the one of the penalty takers, if not the penalty taker for Italy for the for the Euros. So is is that all that's on your mind really from him? Pretty much. I think, you know, Italy are going to be fairly strong. They've got a decent group. Um yeah, he'll be on pens and, you know, I think he'll probably have a have a decent impact on the Italian side. So at the moment he's there and yeah, I don't know if he'll stay or not, but at the moment he's there. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's another one that I was saying with Jax, it's a, it's a really good, you know, fifteen man squad that you can uh pick and choose and play around with as you wish during the uh, the game week. So, uh, yeah, it's a really, really good teammate. And we'll just move on to mine now, the last one out of all of us here. And I've only made one change, so it'll be really, really quick. And uh, I went from Andy Robertson to Thomas Munir. I did speak about it last week. Uh, sorry, not last week, last night on the podcast. But, um, yeah, I didn't actually make the change. I thought I did. I hadn't. So, um, Robertson's out, Munir's in. And then what will probably happen 10 minutes after the uh, the podcast is over is Chiesa will come out and Berardi will come in because, you know, Jack Gillibrand is too persuasive and uh, he swayed <laughs> me one way. So, um, yeah, maybe maybe try and build up a few funds to maybe upgrade from Jota to uh, to Bruno Fernandes as well, Jack, because, um, you know, he's playing on my mind a little bit. So, uh, you know, you've been quite persuasive with me tonight. So, uh, yeah, we've just got to hope that it, it pays off for me. But Berardi's definitely one that I'll be looking at. So, um yeah, that's that's sort of all of our teams, but obviously they're going to be subject to change. You know, it's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of you know frantic clicking and happy uh, happy times for us. So um, yeah, it'll be very interesting. But um, if they look nothing like this when the the Euros start, then you know you can probably just assume that we've gone a little bit crazy and frantic with uh, free transfers whilst we still have them. But um, that wraps up our, our draft teams. So moving on now, and we've got another guru section. He did one that I think it was about a week ago now on the on the podcast that we did. But um, this is the the one that you want to watch, the one closest to the deadline for your team. So we've got Matt Day, the guru. He's back. He's got his ones to watch and his captain choices for match day one. So uh, take it away with your, your ones to watch, Matt. Thanks, Elliot. And uh, number one on the list to watch for this round is, I'm going to put Christian Eriksen in there. It's a big differential. For Denmark, five percent owned, um, real favourable group for the Danes. You know, nine million price tag as well. Um, really big value there. You know, you've got to have free kicks from him, probably penalties as well, and he's got a great record uh, for Denmark. I had a look um, at his record earlier. I think he had about twenty assists in his last forty games and about twenty goals um, for them. So, you know, a really, really good asset to have in there. Another one who we've spoke about on the uh, the last couple of pods, John McGinn, 7.5 million, 1% owned. Really, really good record for Scotland as well. And they do play their next uh, couple of group games. Uh, sorry, two of their three group games uh, at Hamden Park. And the first game against Czech Republic is at home at Hamden Park. So I think he's a really, really good one to, 
to look at at that 1% ownership. And another one going to Portugal um, in defence, 5% ownership for Pepe. Um, he played this morning for the Portuguese. He's obviously a veteran. You know, he's been in plenty of World Cups, plenty of Euros. So, you know, if, he, if you're confident he's going to get the start, he's a bit cheaper than the, uh, the Diaz and the, and the Cancelos of this world. And you know, it could be a bit of a set piece threat as well. And then going on to a fullback, actually, um, for North Macedonia has made the uh, differentials list. It's going to be Alioski, four and a half million. We know him very well from uh, from FPL and Leeds. You know, he got a lot of points in uh, in FPL with his assists, bombing up that left hand side, and he'd get a few goals. And you know, I believe he might be on uh, on penalty kicks for uh, for North Macedonia. Um, and he uh, did score one in a recent friendly, so definitely one to watch out for. You know, the Austria game is one of those as well that could go either way. So um, not a bad one to have in your defence. And then my uh, my last one to round up the uh, the ones to watch, it's going to be an Italian. Uh, it's going to be uh, Barea in uh, in midfield at 3% owned. Um, and I believe from uh, from Jack's uh, comments in the, in the group chat not so long ago is he was Syria player of the year. So, um, you know, he had a great season for, uh, for Inter Milan. Um, and 3% ownership, and um, he's a pretty good price tag as well. So definitely one to uh, to look out for. Yeah, definitely had a, a very good season out in Italy, didn't he? And, um, you know, a lot of people aren't really looking at Alioski, but, you know, probably the penalty taker of choice at the minute. So there are definitely some, uh, some ones, just a little bit of food for thought for people, for their, you know, differential sort of picks there. But um, we'll move on to your, your captain picks now. So uh, take it away, mate. Yeah, look, thanks. I've done a uh, I've done a rotation, so I've got a captain for each uh, each night. So you can go Immobile from Italy on the first night against Turkey, um, and look, if he fails on uh, on day two, you've got Lukaku for uh, for Belgium, who's obviously a favourite amongst a lot of fancy managers. You know, and then if he doesn't do anything, you've got day three, Harry Kane, not a bad shout either. Um, I've actually just realised they're all strikers, so. Um, you're obviously only allowed to pick three anyway, but Harry Kane's a, a good captain option if you've got him. Um, and then uh, Lewandowski from Poland, obviously a really, really good option um, with that Slovakia uh, game. And he's one that I think um, a lot of people have not seen him in too many teams either. And that's a really, really good uh, fixture on paper for him. And then the last one as a captain shout for this round is going to be on the, on the last match day and uh, none other than, uh, than Cristiano Ronaldo. Well, mate, it'd be rude to, to not have Ronaldo in there, wouldn't it? So, um, yeah, definitely not a, not a, too much of a surprise there. And do you have a, a curveball captain for us today? I know you like your little curveball. So, have you have you got one, mate? Yeah, look, I'm just going to pick one off off the top of my head. And uh, you know, seeing a couple of the teams, there's a few players I liked in there, and I'm going to go with uh, with Jack Grealish. Yeah, mate, that's completely understandable. He's in my side. Um, you know, as we spoke, I spoke a lot about him in the article that I wrote the other the other uh, other day. You know, he wins penalties. He's probably one of the the first choice set piece takers now as well. Jack Grealish. You know, no Ward Prowse, no Trent Alexander Arnold. So uh, yeah, that's definitely a, a fair shout there. Is he one that you're going to look to get in your team? Do you think, Matt? Yeah, possibly. Look, I'm tempted, but I've got a lot of my uh, my money in Kane. You know, for my England option, and I think with England you know, as. Uh, as Statman was saying earlier, you know, you're not too sure who's going to play Harry, other than Harry Kane, really. Um, so I've put all my money into him and whether or not I want to double up in England right now. Um, maybe not for the first round, but 
yeah, game against Scotland would be a bit easier and, you know, potentially the Czech game. So, yeah, not round one, but may- maybe the other ones. Yeah, absolutely, mate. So thank you very much for your uh, your second guru section of the Euro fantasy season. And we will move on now to our two guests for the show. We'll start over with Reedy, who is the uh, the resident England fan on the podcast. He's been on here. He was on here the other night. He was on here a week ago as well. So uh, how are you doing, Reedy? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks, Elliot. I'm uh, I'm just a regular now, aren't I? Uh, part, I almost feel part of the uh, part of the, the the club, if you like. Um, so yeah, I'm doing quite good, and I'm buzzing for the uh, for the start of the Euros, as I'm sure the rest of you are. It's it's just around the corner now. Yeah, absolutely, mate. It's uh, it's just you know a day and a little bit away now. So um, you know, we obviously we had a quick look at your your draft team the other night. So if we bring it up on screen now, just to have a quick look at it, has there been a, has there been many changes? A little bit trigger happy with the transfers? Have you been? Yeah, yeah. I've probably sent Jack about uh, three different teams today. <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> so um, yeah, I've made changes. Lukaku was in at one point. Um, I had the pies in there. That's probably not the most updated one, to be honest with you, um, because I think I have got Mbappe back in. I just I changed the, the front three, and obviously we chat Jack and and Statman, and you know we we kind of we all put things in each other's heads, you know, ideas and the cogs start turning and you're like, oh, maybe I should put this 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 guy in. So I have got Mbappe back in for the pie. I have uh, took out Bruno Fernandes and Grealish and I've got him, Fernand Torres and I think uh, one other person. But yeah, it's it's going to be up until the last minute, like you said, uh, like a lot of you said, you know, you're going to be making changes right until the last minute. So um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, you know, and you, you spoke a lot about Kylian Mbappe uh, to Jack the other week on the podcast. So it's quite surprising to see that you've taken him out of your team. But, you know, as we all know, it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, a lot of transfers will be made. So is he one that you think probably will resurface in your team? He's back in. He's back in as we speak. I just, you know, I know I know there's a lot of doubts from people about the Germany game and it being, you know, a, a difficult game. But I just really, I really, really can't. I, th- I think he's just going to light the tournament up, to be honest. And someone as good as he is, um, I don't know how I can just still see him scoring. Um, so I can't get away from him. And the trickiest thing, I think, for a lot of a lot of these Euro um, managers um, or fancy managers, is is that midfield headache. I think that's the biggest headache of all for for most people. Um, you, you can get obviously your couple of top strikers, and if you do budget. And you want to get some quality players in the midfield. It's it's really tricky because you want to try and get players who are going to guarantee to start and maybe get goals and assists. So yeah, that's that's an area I think I'll be maybe making a couple more changes to. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And just two mini questions that we've got for you now. We're going to ask you first to pick one player from England that you think is going to absolutely light it up this summer at the Euros. Oof. As we've said, we don't know which team Southgate's going to pick at the moment. Um, I think we've all got our kind of like, um, you know, our, our slight maybe um, bit of, you know, what based on what he's played, the teams he's played. And I think Grealish is the standout player, really. Um, that if he does start, I think he's going to make things happen. Uh, he looks exciting, as we know. He was he was he was exciting for Villa up until he got injured last season, um, and I just think he offers something. A different dynamic to the England setup, really. You've got Phil Foden there, you can obviously do the same thing, but I think uh, Grealish just kind of pips it for him, really, um, and hopefully he can do something. 
Yeah, absolutely. And just really quickly, one player from you know the whole tournament that you think is going to light it up. Oh, as I've said, uh, it's it's, it's got to be Ronaldo. It's Cristiano Ronaldo all day long. Um, he'll just get the goals, the assists. Um, Portugal, you know, <coughs> done great in the last few tournaments. So I go for Ronaldo. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for the for the insight and just seeing how you're going, Reedy. We'll move on to our second guest now. We've got Sebastian, who's the resident Holland fan on the podcast. I don't think we've had a, a Holland fan or any Holland input on the uh, the Euro podcast so far. So it's very nice to have just a different perspective. So will you take us through your team, mate? Sure. So, um, yeah, um, I tried to go for some left field picks. Picks. I'd say so. Um, Vindal seems to be um, quite a prominent back heading forward. Um, when Holland played against Italy in either the Nations League or the World Cup qualifiers, uh, Spinazzola was an absolute menace from fullback too. So um, I went for him. Um, I'm, I was quite surprised that Ericsson was actually a lower-owned player. So, considering the the draw that they have, um, I think he might be able to score a lot of points, especially in, uh, in the group stage. Um, I still need to change some of my Spain players, I think, because it's a bit tricky. Yeah, they seem like they're having a little bit of issues at the minute, but it's nice to see a little bit of, uh, you know, Dutch representation from you there. Just from you, who's one player this summer that you think from your your home nation, the Netherlands, that's going to do really well? You've got two in your team there, but is there anyone anyone else or are you going to go with Depay or Window? Oh, definitely. Um, I'd say Memphis is the main man, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Ollie, who's not on tonight, but um, he's got Memphis Depay in his team. And yeah. we spoke about his ownership before. A lot of people favouring him. You would have been absolutely delighted with his performance of the day against Scotland, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, even though the whole team itself played rather terribly. But um, I think we played a little bit better against Georgia recently, which was good to see. And uh, the other striker... Um, the host, um, he managed to bag his first international goal, so it's a good start, yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's hopefully it's going to be a little bit better for the Dutch, uh, in the summer. But, um, who's one player from the tournament that you think is going to do really well as well? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think it's quite tough. Um, definitely one of the Portugal players, probably Bruno, is one of the main men. I think. I mean, his performance in the, of course, in the EPL were, ab were absolutely crazy, and it's kind of the best Portuguese team that I've seen in a long time. Otherwise, I'm probably looking towards maybe Nabri from Germany if he really, um, if they, um, managed to to escape the group yeah absolutely i've got the, the group of death there but it'll be very interesting some uh, some nice insight from you both there chris and sebastian so we do thank you very much for being on the podcast today and obviously you're both a part of the paid league and part of the community on discord and everything so uh you yeah. know get involved if you're not already in it so um yeah you can never know you could get yourself on the podcast as well so um yeah just a reminder for the 200 members that are already in you don't need to listen to this but join our, our mini leagues for both paid and free and enter our discord uh, for live banter advice and opinions all across 
across the world, head to esportslive.com.au for weekly articles and more information and head to at esportslive now on our socials. Take care, stay safe. May all your Euro fantasy dreams come true. Enjoy match day one of the Euros. Bye for now.